Have you ever seen a movie? And at the end of the movie, you wondered what happened next? Sure you have. And the producers and the directors in Hollywood know that. And so that's why you have sequels. I mean, what have we got now? Twelve Star Treks? Today, our message is a sequel. Last week, if you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15, last week, last Sunday evening, we began in verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. It is a story that we know as the prodigal son. That's the way we know it. And yet, last week, we did not focus on the prodigal son. We drew a picture of the patient father. Now, When you think about Jesus telling this story, you understand that if you look at it in movie terms, that last week as we finished finished the message, this is what you would have seen. The lights are coming down. The colors are fading into the background. Curtains dropping. And just before the the end sign comes, you can see a camera swing as you hear the music. See the dancing, the camera swings to the field, and across the field comes this man. You obviously know he's the older brother, and he's got a scowl on his face. And then the end happens. What a cliffhanger. What is that older brother going to do? How is he going to respond? Let's stand together and read, as we hear today, a message entitled, The Problems of the Prideful Son. We pick up in verse 25. Now, his older son, now remember Jesus is telling the story. Now, his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he, being the older brother, became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been, with, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's my prayer today that as our hearts and our minds turn to you and your word, that your heart and your mind will turn to us. And I pray that you will reveal to us today any part of this older brother who resides in us. And I pray that you'll reveal it to us so that you can have your will and way in our lives so that when you reveal it to us, we will be faithful to repent and confess and allow you to change our very being. 
in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Luke chapter 15 is normally referred to as the lost chapter. In verse 3, we see lost sheep. In verse 8, we see a lost coin. Verse 11, we see a lost son. And if you really want to know what Jesus is trying to do and convey, you can find it out if you go back to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15. Here's the, here's the prologue. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. You see, tax collectors and sinners were the people who really needed a touch from Jesus. And they came to him, and you would think everybody would be excited about it, but look at verse 2. The church people, the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You see, it was that very church crowd that tried to uh, deter Jesus from reaching out to that which was lost. And so he embarks on telling stories to tell people that what I'm about is bringing the lost people home. Those who separated in. And so he tells the story of the corn sheep. And then he tells the story about the son. Now, think about this. The scribes and the Pharisees were there. And it was inconceivable to them that the father would run toward a sinner. It was inconceivable that a father would go out and reach out because in their minds, you had to earn your way by your behavior. And so when he tells the the story of the lost son, he now has this captive audience. The scribes and Pharisees were listening to what he said. The church people were listening to what he said. And so to me, with respect to Luke... This is almost like an addendum to the story. As he says, okay, I'm on, let's go for an object lesson now. So he says, here is the older brother. So let's pause. Just put a pause right there. We as a congregation are two weeks in front of a revival service, a revival effort. Four days that we have set aside Asking for God to come to us. Brother Steve Hale will come and preach. Over here you'll hear me tell about it a little later. There are things to sign up. Phone calls to be made. Pews to be packed. Um, We'll have student night. We'll have youth night. But you know what? All this is logistics. There's a time for prayer. Prayer walking. In-home prayer meetings. Because if. God's going to do something here. We have to get a hold of him. And I suggest to us that there may be some younger brothers and some older brothers in the house. And God probably will not show up if we maintain our separation. Take a step toward him out of the pig pen and he'll run to you. Take a step toward him out of the field, and he'll come to you. Let's today, we talked about the father last week. Let's today talk about the problems of this prideful son, and let's examine him. And when we examine him, let's see if there's anything in his life 
that would transfer to our life that we need to get right about. First of all, let's examine his attributes. If you're looking on the back of your bulletin, you can follow along. Examine his attributes. Now, all of us have qualities, good and bad. And, and certainly this boy had qualities, both good and bad. And a lot of times, the qualities that we have that are good, if they're misused and misunderstood, they turn bad. You can take pride. If you have healthy or heaven's pride in your heart, it can be good. But when it turns to hellish pride, it's pretty ugly because pride is ugly in any language. When you look here, you see the attributes of the boy. I'll suggest quickly three to you. First of all, they, he was reliable. He was reliable. It says he came back from the field. You know, the father could count on him at the house. He would get up before daylight. He'd stay out to after dark. He would take care of the field. He would take care of the place. He was someone that the father could just depend on. He was a good old boy. He was also probably very religious, number two. He was probably religious. Quite likely, Jesus told the story of a, of a father who raised his kids in the church. And every week, this boy carried them to worship. He was probably not just religious in his, uh, um, in his spirituality. He probably was a member of the civic club. He probably uh, um, uh, paid his bills on time. He, did, he was just a good, good, good old boy. Because the father could depend on him. But we see number three, that he was reactionary. Now get this picture. He is coming back to his house, and he hears music and dancing going on. Now, I don't know about you, but if I came in from work one day, from the church one day, and walked to my front door, Teddy, and uh, uh, I heard music and dancing going on in the house... I'd want to make sure that Deborah was okay to start with. But I would go in. I wouldn't ask somebody what was happening. I'd go in to see what was happening. And yet this brother who was so good, he was so reliable, he was so religious, he was also reactionary. And you kind of felt like he was so good that he was too good. There was something wrong with him. If you stayed around him just a little bit, you would understand that, yes, he did all the things that were right because they were right, but there was something amiss in his spirit. And so when he came up and saw the, and heard the music and the dancing, he called a, a servant, a slave. And he said, tell me what's going on in there. As we go further in this message, I think he knew what was going on in there. And he was going to react to whatever his dad had done for this boy. And you know why? Because he had some issues. So let's examine, second of all, let's examine his attitude. Let's examine his attitude. You kind of get the feeling, if you read this with an open mind, that this brother had an attitude. Now... Now, you say, well, what are you talking about, Brother Jerry? Well, I will suggest to you, first of all, that he was separated. He was separated from the Father. I want you to put some reality on this. He had been here all this time. 
quite likely he had heard his brother complain about his dad for years. Dad doesn't give us any freedom. We have all this stuff and we can't enjoy it. I can't go do what I want to do. I am just tired of it. He is fed up with his dad. And the older brother had witnessed all this. I will suggest to you further that when the brother asked for his goods, it was not just a calm conversation where he walked in and said, would you give me what's mine? I suggest to you that it was a family meeting of the three, father and two sons. And once again, they were getting together because this younger son was so rebellious and he had so much to say and he was griping at his dad. And in an intense conversation, he said, well, dad, if you'll give me what I want, I'll get out of your hair. And the scripture says, if you go back, um, somebody, it may have been Brother Troy, told me that it didn't dawn on him the last Sunday night that when the dad divided the inheritance, he didn't just give the younger son his inheritance. He gave both of them their inheritance. And now, and now, the younger son had gone off and run off <laughs> and the older son had watched him leave and I may I just kind of use my divine imagination or my undivine imagination to say this I think when the boy walked out the younger boy left the older son said finally we'll have some peace in this house now finally he's gone but what he didn't know is that every time they came in for an evening meal, all he had to do was listen to his dad commiserate. Boy, I hope he's okay. I sure wish he'd come back. Sure, you know, this boy, he's a good boy. Parents, how many of us have said this? He's got a good heart. He just fell in with the wrong crowd. And I dare say to us that the older brother just kind of took that. He listened. And he took it. I heard a preacher say years ago that the older brother, the younger brother left home physically. But the older brother, while he never left physically, he left emotionally and spiritually. And he was separated from his dad. And he was separated a much bigger separation than the boy who was out living wildly. You see, folks, when you think about the older boy, yes, he was, he was there, but his mind was far from his dad. Do you know why? Do you know why he was so far from his dad? Because his dad still loved that boy that left home. And now he came back in. He came back in to a, redempt, to a house that, that welcomed this boy back. The reason that the older son was so torn up is because his, his father was about redemption, reconciliation, and restoration. And he was about getting rid of and turning loose and forgetting. And he came back, and here was this party going on. 
And I believe this is the very point Jesus was trying to make to the scribes and Pharisees and to us today. Is that he doesn't get excited. He doesn't get excited about us getting our right place in the pew. He doesn't get excited about the right style of music. He doesn't get excited about our right parking lot. He doesn't get excited about our right Sunday school class or right Sunday school teacher. He doesn't get excited about anything except he gets excited when lost people come home. Now, if we could just catch on to that, it would revolutionize how we think. We would no longer be separated by our attitude. The boy was separated, but not only was he separated, if you look further about his attitudes, he was selfish. He was selfish. Now, it says that in verse 27, your brother's here, your father slaughtered the fattened calf, and because he's back safe and sound, then he became angry and didn't want to go in. And when the father came out, he found out that his older boy had an eye problem. Watch this. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slave in many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your order, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I Can't you hear his voice go up as he tells his dad that? It's all about me and my friends and what I want and what I like. The older brother was more concerned about what was going on for him than seeing the larger picture. That somebody was lost and now they've come home. Someone was dead and now they were alive. He was selfish. And I said earlier that pride is ugly in any language. Make no mistake, selfishness is contrary to the Word of God and it's ugly no matter where you find it. But not only was he separated and selfish, he was self righteous. He says, verse 30, but when this son of yours came. Now, parents, do you recognize that terminology? Okay, I got a bunch of whole real religious people. Do you recognize that terminology? Sure you do. Every time your child doesn't do what you want them to do, you'll look at mama and you go, your son did this. Your daughter did this. Every time I tell Deborah that, she goes, well, I... Your son and your daughter, too, big guy. And the reason they're doing this is probably because they're more like you than they are me. And most of the time, she's right, okay? He was self-righteous. He said, look, he has done all of this stuff, this son of yours. He has taken everything you've given him. He's wasted it. He's been immoral. Now, how did the boy know that he'd been immoral? It's kind of like you make it up when you get upset. You know, what you don't know for a fact, you just make up. Now, he got it right this time, but wonder how he knew. And yet the boy said, I would never. <laughs> that sounds like the voice of the Pharisee, doesn't it? I would never. May I just call our attention to this? Be careful about using the word never. Because just about the time you say, I will never, Satan will put you in a position where you do. And when you find someone who has done and has messed up, like the younger boy, remember, except for the grace of God, 
you and I are the same place. Now, when, we, when that truth permeates us, all of a sudden, revival comes in our heart and to our church and to our land to realize that God, the God of the universe, loves us enough to run down the road to us, to lift us up, to hold us up, to embrace us, to welcome us home, to throw a party. Instead of like the older brother, when you cross me, you're gone. Listen, if you're a younger brother here today, and you've taken all you have, and you've run away from the Father, and you've gone to a distant land, and you spent it all in that distant land, and you found yourself in a proverbial pig pen, please listen. If today you'll come to your senses, not my words, Scripture words, if today you'll come to your senses and start toward the Father, He will not wait for you. He will come and meet you because He wants you to come home. And if you do that in this place, we will not be an older brother. Now, if there's an older brother among us, Someone who has attitudinally been separated from the Father. Someone who has become so selfish and self-centered and self-serving that they can't see the big picture. If there's one among us that's become so self-righteous that we say, I will never, I would never, I shall never. Please listen. Today, you know what we want to be to you? The hands of the Father. To embrace you back into His kingdom. Back into his work. Back into his way. You know what we call that? Revival. Because you look at the attributes and the attitude of the older brother. I would suggest to you that attributes and attitude, one plus one equals two. Let's, we've examined his attributes. We've examined his attitude. But now let's examine his actions. There are people today that will tell you, told me, you can't know what's in another person's heart. I understand the premise of that. It doesn't really stand up to biblical truth. The Bible says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. That means out of the heart you do what you are. Out of the heart the mouth speaks. So over a period of time, you can listen to someone speak and you see what they do and you know what's in their heart. And normally what's in their heart comes out in their actions. When we look at this older brother, there are some things that jump out at us. First of all, he refused to go to the party. <laughs> He refused to go to the party. If you look there, when the slave told him your, uh, the brother's home, here's what, I will tell to you, here's what I'll tell you. I suggest to you that when he heard the music and heard the dance and he knew there was only one thing in the world that would make the daddy this happy, happy enough to throw a party, that boy who left is finally back. And he's back and he's going to come take what, the, what dad gave me and I have had enough. And it says, he became angry 
and didn't want to go in. I wonder how many times we become angry about selfish and self-righteous, self-serving things. We become angry about things and we refuse to go in. Now, some of you will say, well, Brother Jerry, perhaps he was not uh, selfish. Perhaps the reason he didn't go to in was because it was righteous indignation for what he had done. Well, may I suggest to you, if it had been righteous indignation... He would have gone in quietly. He would have gone to bed. And he would have talked with his dad at a later time. Instead of pitching a fit. Declaring that he's not going in. And trying to get all the attention he can. But the Bible says. The Bible says. That he missed the party. Once again. The thing that. That brings joy to the Father's heart is for lost people to come home. If that's the Father's heart, shouldn't that be our heart? And if it's our heart, is is it not so that a lot of the other things are just fluff? He refused to join the party. He missed the joy of Jesus. But the second thing he did, he resisted his brother. He resisted his brother. If you look, you see that he didn't go in and meet with his brother. Have you ever thought about why? I hope we'll let this speak to us. As I've just kind of mulled over the scripture and studied it, could it be that the very reason he didn't want to go in and see the see his younger brother is because his younger brother had left in such arrogance, obviously had come back in such um, humility, that the older brother knew if he went in and heard him confess and repent and try to get right, that he would have to grant forgiveness. And he didn't really want to forgive his younger brother. I wonder how often that happens in the church. I wonder how often it happens that we don't want to forgive someone. You don't know what they've done to me, Brother Jerry. Well, what have you done to the Father? And He's forgiven you. You see, the spirit of the older brother is not to give forgiveness because his hurt and his anger and his frustration keeps him warm at night. And oh, by the way, when we do that, we play into the hands of the enemy. Because the Spirit of God will never demonstrate freedom. It will never demonstrate power as long as the spirit of that older brother refuses to offer forgiveness and grant forgiveness as long as that's prevalent. Could it be that the reason so few churches, so few denominations have known a manifest, uh, a visitation of the manifest presence of God, could it be because there's so much unforgiveness in the pew? He resisted his brother. But you know what else he did? He rejected his dad. 
Scripture said that when he refused to come out, when he refused to go into the party, you know what the dad did for him? The dad did the same thing for the younger brother that he did for the older brother. Maybe I should tell you that the other way. He did the same thing for the older brother that he did for the younger brother. When the younger brother came down the road, dad came off the porch and, and chased him down and embraced him. When the older brother refused to come into the party, dad came out to him also. Can you get that picture in your mind? Dad knows his older son's upset. He has some understanding. And he walks out. And he puts his hand on his shoulder. And he tries to talk to him. And I can see that spirit of older brother. Shrugging his dad's hand off. And saying leave me alone. This boy of yours. This son of yours. He has slapped us in the face. And now you've treated him like royalty. And dad says, son, we had to celebrate. Because he was dead and now he's alive. Because he was lost and now he's found. You see, the father is all about restoration. He is all about reconciliation. He is all about forgiveness. If there is to be a revival. If there is to be a spirit Revival in this place. It will begin on the avenue of right relationships, forgiveness, restoration, and embracing. And rid ourselves of the problems of the prideful son. What will we do? Let's pray together.